Hello, this is Scott Stewart from Millennium Park Foundation. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. So I'm like, you know what, let me go relax at the pool. Or at a pool area. There's a group of guys came down loud. I'm not into loud people. The high five group, never get this group that comes down. Why? You're 42 years old. Why are you high-fiving? You're at the pool. You didn't score a touchdown. What are you high-fiving people for at the pool? And they sit right next to me. I'm like a magnet for these types, right? Guy took his shoe off, four band-aids on his foot. How does it get to four band-aids? How does this happen? After one Band-Aid, isn't that a hospital visit? What are you trying to fix? One box of Band-Aids should last your entire life. This is a one-time purchase. When you die, you should have leftover Band-Aids for generations to come. And I'm thinking, if this guy gets into the pool with his band-aids on, they're going to have to drain the pool and refill it. I'm not getting into the pool with band-aid juice floating on top of the pool. All right? It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main right. And here we go, ladies and genomes, uh, ladles Oop. and genomes. Uh, welcome to the and I'm and I'm doing this all very very tentative. Last week, Zoom decided to melt down in the middle of our show, and that was uh, that was fun. Boy, sure enjoyed doing that, but I think we're here. We've got, hey, I'm even going to dare to try out a sound effect. And they're off. All right. We and are, we're off on the show. And, and we're we, off on summer and yay and all that. And all of that good stuff. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. So happy to be <laughs> to be here and to be on the, the microphone today, which is... Uh, fine with me okay folks it is really good let's set up uh one more thing um uh that was you peggy that's well we finally came up on facebook so that was me hitting 
volume off. Volume <laughs> off. Oh, we, we just got on Facebook. Okay. Yes. And uh, and we're very pleased today. We've got just a little few seconds here, uh, which means I have just enough time to play something like. Shut up, Wesley. Okay, there we go. Uh, we're very pleased to, <laughs> to have an old friend, Tom Ogren, who's going to start us off today. If you're sneezing out there, it's not the coronavirus, probably. Uh, no, it's not, because that's not sneezing. That's it's coughing. It's not sneezing, yeah. But if you're coughing, it might not be coronavirus. It might be allergies. If you walk around going, <clears throat> He's going to tell us about plants that maybe you shouldn't have in your yard. I've been talking with Tom about this for about, I think, one, about 15 years. And it's, it's, it bears repeating. So stick around. Tom Ogren will be with us with Allergy-Free Gardening. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Do you know that some kinds of landscaping services are considered essential, even during this time of stay-at-home orders to prevent the spread of coronavirus? Bartlett Tree Experts knows that, and they will be there when your trees need help. With spring storms still a real threat, you might need to have damaged trees or limbs removed at a moment's notice. It's a matter of safety for you, your family, and the public. In addition, what if your tree, possibly an ash tree, needs its scheduled treatment to fight off emerald ash borer or other pests? The good news is that outdoor landscaping provides an opportunity for good social distancing. And Bartlett's teams have all of the resources they need to employ safe operating procedures. After all, safety has always been the linchpin of Bartlett tree experts. And that's not going to change now. So if you think your tree needs emergency treatment, even during this crisis, give the folks at Bartlett tree experts a call. Because even in a pandemic, every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. From small boat to your table with complimentary no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings traceable wild Alaskan seafood direct from their small boat fishermen to your home. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares of their harvest just like your local CSA. Wild caught in season and with respect for the limits of the ocean. Responsibly harvested, hand-processed, blast-frozen, and vacuum-sealed. Sign up today. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Visit SitkaSalmonShares.com. Even in the midst of a pandemic, you might be surprised to know that there are still a lot of plant sales going on in the Chicago area. Most are online events with pickups or deliveries or both. And of course, social distancing. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki has compiled the most comprehensive list of plant sales in the region. Go to any page at MikeNovak.net. Click on the 2020 Chicago area plant sales image on the right side of the page. Happy gardening and stay safe. that we tried to play last week and it got caught off right at the beginning and just kind of went <laughs> and I was on the like phone how? Uh, just like that uh, in fact this is not normal. it's not normal Mr. President uh, and uh, that's by 8th grader Melody Hamilton uh, somewhere in the country uh, who did uh, multi-tracked herself singing all of the parts to cool. Mr. Sandman uh, the COVID uh, 
uh, tribute there. And we've got more of those on the show today. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking I might start phasing out those, though. However, I'm, I'm almost at the point where I've got, it's, it's too much, and I'm not sure I want to do that anymore. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, very pleased to have an old friend uh, with us today. Uh, and he has spanned I want to say, and I don't know exactly because I don't have records from when we first talked at the Gargantua radio down the dial, Um, but we did when I was at the really big radio station, then I was at a slightly smaller radio station, now I'm at a slightly bigger radio station again, and um, his uh, name is Tom Ogren, or Thomas Leo Ogren, or Tommy Ogren. Tom, uh, you know, I can't keep track of all your names. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it gets difficult, you know. <laughs> and, you know, before computers, it didn't matter, but uh, a computer only rec. So Tom Ogren goes down as a whole different person if you Google me as <laughs> Thomas Leo and you know whatever. So uh, my my friends call me Tommy, but uh, I, you can call me anything as long as you smile. <laughs> Well, I was wondering about that. I thought maybe you had to take Tommy because that was the only Facebook uh, name available. And sometimes that happens. I mean, I couldn't even get my own name for Twitter. Um, but uh, uh, I, so it became Mike now uh, and you're Tommy Ogren. So I, I will. It, it'll probably be Tom is what I'm thinking today. That's all right with you. That'll, that'll work just fine. <laughs> uh, Tom is the mastermind behind something called allergy free gardening. Um, and I know you've told the story a gazillion times and I don't want to bore you with it, but it had to do with your wife. So you can quickly go through that and then w- that'll get us up to speed. But it starts with your wife who has severe allergies, right? Right. My, my wife, her name is Yvonne and, uh, we've been married 53 years now. Whoa. Uh, you get a day married when we were babies yeah. <laughs> when you but, were six years old well, that's i don't know yeah I, yeah, I don't yeah. Know <laughs> it's amazing and we made it work but uh yeah she she has asthma and very bad uh, allergies and uh she would have asthma attacks when she was having the allergies the worst uh, because she had what they call allergic asthma um and I thought that the allergies were a head trip because I had read a book by a doctor that said allergies were psychosomatic and I didn't have allergies or asthma. So what's it, Tommy, can I stop you there for a second? What's amazing about that? You read that book and that was even before the internet. Imagine the, if, if you had just been getting all your information off the internet, you'd have never gone over to uh, actually uh, look at the oh, science. Oh, oh, absolutely. I had been researching this 15 years before I mm-hmm. even had a computer. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, I had to use books. I would go to the libraries, uh, these universities, and I'd go through their stacks and I'd pull out books that had been sitting there for uh, 25 years and had about a half inch of dust on top and had never been read much less checked out and I would check them out and read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read every, every possible thing that I could read for years and years and years. But uh, back to the psychosomatic thing, uh, I wasn't very sympathetic to my wife when she had asthma because of that uh, stupid attitude of mine that, <laughs> that it was mental and somehow she, you know, it was almost dying, but I'm like, Oh, but it's mental, you know? And, 
one time I was in Berkeley, California, and I was doing a landscape job, and uh, I had some time off. I worked on my vacations, and everybody was sick. It seemed like everybody was having allergies, asthma. The 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 guys digging the trenches that I hired were everybody was sneezing except me, and we finished the job. And it was springtime. There were a lot of acacia trees blooming. And I was driving back to San Luis Obispo a couple hundred miles. And I was thinking about it. And I thought, uh, tomorrow I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do sniff tests with my students. If they'll go, I was teaching in a prison, uh, teaching horticulture and landscape gardening in Paso Robles. And so the, the next day I got with my students and I said, let's, take all kinds of flowers out of the garden. Let's systematically sniff these flowers and see if anything does anything to anybody. <laughs> and everybody said, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And so we, we sniffed some pansies and nothing happened. We did some double petunias and nothing happened. And, and I was starting to think, yeah, it's all baloney. And then, then we did some uh, red bottle brush, colistamine. And the third fellow that sniffed it, and he was a big muscular uh, gangbanger crip from L.A., and he sniffed it, and he sneezed so hard, he almost fell down. Everybody mm. started laughing. We thought it was pretty funny. But by the time we went around to class with the, the bottle brush plant, and people took direct sniffs, fully one-third of the class was sneezing. And that was on a Monday, and they were still sneezing on Friday. Wow. And right then I knew whoa, this wasn't psychosomatic and it wasn't about women being hysterical and all that baloney that I've been reading about. Heck no, this, this was a real thing. And if, if you got the particular pollen up your nose, you're going to get the symptoms. It didn't matter if you were psychologically a giant. It was That doctor was full of baloney. It, it was not psychological. Uh, the allergy, the asthma was 100% real, and it could be triggered by particular things. So shortly after that, I was at a, another library, and I, I had been told there was an article on allergy-free gardening somewhere in one of these nursery magazines. I wanted to read it, but I couldn't find anything. And I'm looking through magazine after magazine, finding the research librarian says, well, what exactly are you looking for? And I said, I'm looking for an article about allergy-free gardening. And she started to laugh. I said, well, hey, what's so funny? And she said, it's the gardens that cause all the allergies. And I said, well, I said, I don't know much about this, but this is what I have figured out so far. The gardens are made out of a lot of different plants. And some of them cause allergies and some don't. And I want to know the difference. And she said, Oh, okay. And, and that was the very beginning. But, but as soon as we sniff tested that, that first fellow that went off on, on the bottle brush, I knew right then that there was a huge difference between uh, exposure to one type of flower and exposure to another. Some didn't do anything. Some like took your head off. And, yeah. and that's how I got it. And then I just decided to dig into it, you know, and, 
and that's and then then you devoted what the next 25 years of your life yeah, to this. yeah right the rest of my life i've been digging into it <laughs> you, you know the, the, uh, if you did that today you'd have had your pants suit off by uh, the class and you would have been kicked out of the uh, the college uh, altogether and uh, you'd be on the street right now well actually i got my master's degree when i was fairly old and and i was totally working on on plant flowering systems and allergy at that point. And uh, my professors thought I was full of baloney, but pretty soon I got to know a lot more about it than they did. And, and so it was kind of easy selling, but, uh, but, but, but it's not, let me stop you there because um, in the 15 years or so, since you and I have been talking about this, right. I have, uh, and believe me, uh, I'm a convert there. You, um, you have changed my view of the horticultural world in a way that very few people have. Doug Tallamy is, is one of those people. Actually, Jeff Lowenfels with Teeming with Microbes was yeah. uh, another guy who changed my view of the world. There's oh, like mine too. about four or five people uh, who have written books and expounded uh, philosophies of gardening that had made me think, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. And yours is one of them. However, I still get horticulturists who say, oh, that guy's nuts. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, um, I've never had people that listened to, say, a whole lecture by me and were able to ask questions that when I was done, still thought I was nuts. It, it was uh, people maybe didn't understand the whole big picture. Um, there, there are people that simply have never had any allergies and they are very unsympathetic to it. And uh, there's a lot of people in horticulture that have vested interests, unfortunately. So we have large tree companies that when I go to conferences, I've seen the same people for 20 years. They won't even say hello to me. Uh, <laughs> no, they act like I'm the enemy, you know. And, uh, um, well, you know, uh, there are going to be a lot of people in the horticultural world who are going to treat you that way simply because they refuse to, to get real. All right. Let me put it this way. Um, I went to a, a horticultural conference a few years ago that where they were, we were talking about invasive plants and we were talking about calorie pears. All right. And you know what a scourge calorie pears, if you have a Bradford pear, there are other kinds of calorie pears out there. Uh, uh, and, and, and these researchers are showing, uh, photos of freeways in Ohio where the calorie pairs have taken over the intersections, not the paved part, but anything else around the paved part. It's all calorie pairs. And the industry people are going, well, it's not really invasive. What do you mean? Take a look at the photo. And, and so when they were asked, well, uh, we, they were asked, are you going to get rid of your inventory? And they say, well, you know, we got, how about five years? Can you give us five years? We've got a lot of inventory here. And I'm thinking it's already taking over the country. Uh, and, and this is kind of the horticultural world. It's like, yeah, we, we, we can't afford to lose money and boy, you know, and I feel sympathetic to them, especially looking at the world during this pandemic where they, a lot of places have had to shut down or have uh, marginal connections to their customers now, but still uh, science is science, isn't it, Tommy? It is, but but money is money, and money seems to trump science, unfortunately, a lot. 
Uh, and as far as like invasive plants, I can go to any nursery around here and find them selling privets. And privets have gone totally invasive. They're in all the creek beds and everything. And you, privets everywhere now. And this, not just here, you, you go down south, there's just massive amounts of privets. And, and some places in the southern states, you walk in and every plant underfoot is uh, Japanese halls honeysuckle. Uh, <laughs> millions of acres, but they keep selling. You go to the Walmart and they're selling it right there in the store. Uh, so uh, despite the fact that we know something to be correct doesn't mean in horticulture that it changes, unfortunately. That's, uh, uh, they, kill, they, they, they continue to grow and sell the most allergenic trees. And so uh, you you right all right and we have uh, like a, a minute and 15 seconds here so i just we'll get a start on that and you say they they grow uh and sell allergenic trees what are you talking about this is the time of year when trees leap out and of course a lot of them produce pollen uh what kind of trees are you talking okay the the and number depends, one thing it depends where you're on the country too of course Okay, well, yeah, all, all around the entire country and not just here, but other countries to boot. I've been, mm -hmm. I've spoken uh, in dozens of countries now. Uh, and You've done a lot of work in Canada. Same. Yeah, and and Australia, New Zealand and Israel and five trips to Europe and to speak on this. Uh, but anytime plants can be separate sexed, uh, they always grow just the male trees and then we have this preponderance of male trees and we also have trees in nature that are not separate sexed uh, like a honey locust tree one branch is male one is branch is female but the propagators in horticulture make all the cuttings only from the male branch all right and we're so, going to leave it we're going to leave it right there tommy tom yeah. ogren talking uh, allergy free gardening we'll be back the mike novak show with peggy malecki now more than ever, whether you're a farmer or a backyard grower, it's important to protect the life of your soil. The folks at Blazing Star understand that, which is why they distribute Tinyo Biologicals. For 30 years, Tinyo seed treatments and foliar fertilizers have benefited both large and small organic growers. Many products are OMRI certified for fields or indoor growing. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food. And thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. During summer in central New York, residents often enjoy a refreshing dip in the region's peaceful lakes. But sometimes swimming is off limits because of algae blooms that can make people sick. Some of the algae may produce chemical toxins that can have harmful effects on people, fish, shellfish, terrestrial and marine mammals, and birds. Jennifer Graham is a research hydrologist with the United States Geological Survey. She says reports of harmful algal blooms are increasing across the country, and climate change could be part of the reason. Some harmful algae prefer warm temperatures, so blooms may be growing more common as rivers and lakes warm. 
extreme weather can also contribute to algal blooms because heavy rain can cause nutrients to run off farm fields and sewage systems into waterways. Nutrients are basically the food source for algae. In New York's Finger Lakes and other locations across the country, the USGS is monitoring algal blooms. Graham says they are trying to better understand toxic bloom growth and severity so local agencies can make informed decisions about how to protect people. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. All seemed harmless for a couple of days Then it all got real when it got Tom Hanks Now we can't shake hands and we can't even sneeze Cause everyone will freak out and put us in quarantine We're on lockdown, baby, and we're trying to get out Going back crazy cause I can't leave the house I got a cooler of beer, my baby's drinking that wine yeah, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. That's the uh, the coronavirus song by Buddy Brown from Truck Sessions. Um, I needed a little country flavor in there, so threw that in there. We are in San Luis Obispo, California. Well, I'm not, but our guest is uh, Tom Ogren. Uh, and he is the author of three books, which we haven't mentioned yet, um, Safe Sex in the Garden, Allergy-Free Gardening, and The Allergy-Fighting Garden. Um, and we just got to the idea of why, and of course, the, the worst part of this right now, Tom, and partly why I wanted you on the show is we're talking allergies, but we're at a point where we have a respiratory pandemic going on in the country and that has to really freak a lot of people out who can't tell the difference or have a hard time telling the difference, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say the the main s- symptom difference is with the virus, you will get a bad headache and a fever. And with allergies, that's not a symptom. You rarely see fever and high temperature as a symptom of allergies. All the other things that are very similar. And for people with asthma, and I, I'm in contact with a lot of them, they are terrified, just terrified, Mike, of the idea of getting this virus into their lungs. Uh, people with asthma have a hard time breathing anyhow. And, and all the people with COPD or something, all, all these different lung issue people, uh, the idea of getting this virus is terrifying and, and uh uh, all the people I know that have allergies are being very, very, very careful about all the social distancing and everything. Yeah. I can uh, certainly understand that. And when we left you uh, before the break, you were talking about which trees and plants produce pollen. Um, you were talking about male versus female. And you're talking about dioecious trees, correct? Yeah, dioecious, Latin for two houses, right? So uh, like a red maple tree, one one tree is all male and it makes pollen. The other tree is all female and she makes seeds. And if you take red maple tree, I want to back off just a second for the, for the listeners. But in the 1960s, we had the Dutch elm disease spread through across the United States like wildfire. It took about 10 years to go from the East Coast to the West Coast and it killed off almost all our street trees. 
when I was a boy, all the street trees, pretty near all of them were American elms. Yeah. Trees. And, and it caused a little bit of allergy, but not too much. And they were insect pollinated and, and so on. But then they just died off by the millions and they were replaced with what the universities pushed as smart trees. And so like, the United States Department of Agriculture, Beltsville, Maryland, produced over a hundred clones just of red maple alone that they put on the market. And of those hundred, uh, how many do you think were female? Uh, none. <laughs> none. None. All of them were male clones. They were all yeah. they were all new and improved. Hence, and, and why was that? Uh, well, because they this way, if you planted that red maple tree out front, uh, it wouldn't drop any seeds on the sidewalk. So it was clean. It was tidy. And then they did this with all kinds of other plants, too, uh, all the way from the trees to the begonias. And, uh, <laughs> and and then, like I said before, they figured out how to do it out of plants that were not dioecious. So they you take. It, where I live, you have all these Italian cypress, these tall, skinny cypress trees, uh, look like a juniper or something. And in nature, they always, from seed, they'll always have male and female on the same tree, but the propagators figured out they can take the cuttings and grow them from cuttings from the lower branches, which are male, and then the whole thing would be seedless and, and even neater and cleaner and tidier and nicer and... and yeah. Win, so win, it, win, but they, they weren't thinking about the pollen issue. No, they weren't, obviously. Um, and, and so in the interest of neatness, and, and I went back and looked at my notes when we talked uh, in 2012, when yeah. I was at Progresso Radio down the dial, um, it, and I wrote that in the, in the interest of neatness, uh, we've decided that tens of millions of people should live in misery. Uh, and that's the trade-off of it, because... We're neatness freaks in this country, uh, yes. especially when it yes. comes to our plants. Oh, my God, there's helicopters on the sidewalk. I can't live anymore with that um, right. and, and whatever fruit. Now, the only real dangerous fruit might be the female ginkgo. But as you point out, <laughs> the, the male ginkgo uh, produces a lot of pollen. Oh, the, I also said if you look at you look at it like. I've, I've been in cities where they planted thousands of ginkgos and every single one was a male. And I asked the question, what would happen if they had planted thousands of ginkgos and every single one was a female and they planted no males? How much of that fruit would you get? You'd get none because you wouldn't have any pollination. Exactly. So you, you would have got no much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, <laughs> no prompting at all. I figured that out on my own. <laughs> You're getting all the answers right. But, but, yeah. So my point is that that they could have done it. They could have gone all female plants and not planted any of the males and they would have got very little mess and they wouldn't have caused all this pollen issue. But if you plant literally millions of male trees whose whose job is to produce pollen and pollinate females. And so one male tree may put out a hundred or a thousand times more pollen than a, than a tree that's not all male. And it puts all this pollen out to the females, which trap pollen, but they don't plant any females. Then what, what, what sort of situation do you have? You have what we have right now. You have 
millions of male trees, almost no female trees mm -hmm. in the urban environments. You have all the pollen flying around. It doesn't have its natural source. You have no balance. And uh, the receptors end up being people and then pollen gets in our eyes and our nose. I mean, when I started this, I was doing it all because of my wife and her allergies. I didn't have any allergies. In the last couple of years, I'm developing allergies and it's not from hanging around in my yard. Yeah, it, it's from going on walks and, and when the wind blows, I'm getting the pollen from everybody else's trees that they planted. Uh, but and, and you know something something you pointed out uh that again stuck with me has stuck with me over the years is that where do we put these plants we put them outside schools we put them outside hospitals we create what you call pollen corridors and then when we open the windows especially uh, at night uh where does the pollen go it comes floating in um uh obviously not at schools at night but you know we've got kids with asthma issues and allergies now, uh, that number has gone up tremendously over the past few decades, hasn't it? Well, the, the numbers are, are, when I started uh, researching this, allergies were about 10%. And prior to that, allergies had only been about 2% of the population. And by a decade ago, it was 38% of the population of the U.S. had allergies. And I'm not even sure what it is now, but it keeps going up. And the percentage of kids getting uh, asthma keeps going up. And uh, everybody seems willing to pay this price. But there, there's, there's aerobiologists in Australia who predict because of what we plant and because of climate change mm -hmm. it increases in carbon dioxide which jack up pollen levels that in 20 years the air in the cities won't even be able we will, at times we won't even be able to breathe it nobody will be able to go out without some kind of big face mask or something uh it's uh bizarre uh, I, and there's a really good question that i want to get to and again we have about a minute and we'll break in i'm going to bring you back for a final segment this conversation is too good um, Audrey asks, but the pollen is important for honeybees, right? And uh, what is uh, your answer to that? Oh, oh, pollen! Pollen is wonderful, but pollen is like anything else. It's like a little bit is great, and too much is is bad. And the the male clonal trees and shrubs that they plant in the cities these produce nothing for the pollinators. Uh, the type of trees I like to see are female trees that have nectar sources and the insects come to them heavily and perfect flowered plants that are non-allergenic that feed the, uh, I mean, part of the reason we've lost so many butterflies and, and pollinators is because our trees that we plant are so often this, these sterile males. All they do is produce airborne pollen. They have no food source for uh, birds, bees. There's no seeds, there's no fruit, there's, there's there's, there's no nectar, there's nothing. All right, let's hold on to that thought. That's Tommy Ogren. We're talking about allergy-free gardening. We welcome your questions. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. 
Don't worry, Mosquito Dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. This is Mike Novak from the Smart Talk Radio Network. Speaking of being smart, even if some businesses are opening up, COVID-19 is still a very dangerous disease. So, if you go out, continue to practice social distancing, and don't be bullied into doing things that you don't think are safe, you'll be protecting yourself and the ones you love. Look at it this way. If you don't like wearing a mask, you'll really hate being on a ventilator. Please, be smart. Old friends are the best friends. Old friends. This is Mark Dvorak, and you're getting gardening environmentalism, green living, local food information, and even some humor to lighten things up as we shelter in place. It's all on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 right here on Chicago's Smart Talk Radio Network. We drink champagne, some quarantine, binge-watch episodes of Tiger King. We try to get tested for seven long days, but we're not Tom Hanks or in the NBA. Well, I'm not the world's most paranoid guy, but I'm scared that the guy from Grubhub gave me Corona. Ah, uh, Grubhub is not getting a lot of love right now in the world, are they? <laughs> Welcome I'm not back the to the paranoid guy. <laughs> I know that's some, some great lyrics there. Uh, yeah. I, and wait, wait. Uh, I got the <laughs> names of a, that one was the Corona Lola, and by, uh, <laughs> by a guy named Hugh on first, which I love. Uh, you know, get it? The old, Hughes on first. Hughes what? on first. It should be Hughes on first, but it's Hugh on first. So H U G H. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I'm going to get through this quickly. I just want to say hi to, to some of our friends. Our tree guy friends are listening. Um, Scott and Skeet. Hey, it's the Scott and Skeet Show uh, from Bartlett Tree Experts. Um, a great sponsor of the Mike Novak Show, and uh, they're following this and. Uh, uh, they know the issues with pollen and trees. Um, and uh, we also had um, Kelsey Shaw from Possibility Place Nursery, uh, and they sell native plants. Uh, and he said uh, he was happy that we were doing this because it's an important conversation. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And we've got uh, your questions. We'll get to them. But first, welcome to the Keep Eating Healthy campaign on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Let's start with the folks at Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery in Champaign, Illinois. They remind you there's still one week left for American Cheese Month. They're featuring fresh chevre, uh, which is French for goat. It's uh, French for yummy cheese. Yeah. Uh, they've got plain herb de Provence, cracked peppercorn, or a seasonal flavor. Listen to this. Pickled ramp and onion. Ooh. Sweet and sour pickled alliums added to their fresh chev, the hmm. perfect foil for rustic bread or a bagel with a slice of smoked salmon. I'll take it. Um, or you can try fresh whole goat's milk ricotta. They are flush with milk. Yeah, they have 110 goats. So they decided to add a ricotta to the production line up this week. Now, that we have our friends at Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm CSA. 
they tell me they're a little tired, a little stressed, and a little overwhelmed. They're doing a lot of business right now, but feeding people locally is the most gratif gratifying work they've ever done. Cedar Valley is a meat CSA. You can get beef, pork, chicken, and eggs all humanely raised and drug and hormone free. You can even order custom butchered beef or pork. They feature safe social distancing pickup at various locations in and around Chicago. Uh, and of course, as I'm saying that, I'm touching my face. That's not a good thing. Uh, and it's Memorial Day weekend, which means that grilling season is here. So try Backyard Patch Herbs. They feature hand-blended herb mixes crafted with homegrown herbs. More than 35 varieties for everything from dill dip to salt-free ranch salad dressing to marinara and salsa, as well as meat rubs, marinades, and cheese spreads. Or get creative like uh, my Kathleen did this week and create a fabulous polenta with the Backyard Patch Herbs. It was terrific. Don't forget, use the code MIKE10, M-I-K-E-1-0, and get a 10% discount. Keep on keeping health. <laughs> Let's try that again. How about, how, about, two. how about click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Help us support these great farms while they support us. Go to MikeNovak.net for more details. It is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking to Tom Ogren about allergy-free gardening. We've been talking trees. We only have a few minutes here uh, in this final segment, but Peggy mentioned it, and I think we should. What other plants in your garden should you be aware of are producing pollen? Oh, okay. So bottle it, brush, obviously, is one that you talked about. Which one? Bottle, bottle brush. brush. Bottle brush, yeah. Bottle brush, if you don't keep it pruned, will produce uh, quite a bit of allergenic pollen. Uh, I would say that the two, in your area, the plant I would be most concerned about would be use uh, taxes. Not, you're not talking about me, not Y-O-U, but Y-E-W. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and you're right, because, uh, okay, everybody's got use here. Yeah. Um, and it, it is considered the foundation plant, I think, uh, as much as a juniper or a boxwood. I would say those are the, the big three, the big ugly three. Um, and, uh, and you don't, you rarely see the juniper berry. I mean, sorry, the U berries, the little red berries, uh, because they're selling the male clones, aren't they? Right. And the, and the, and the problem is, is that when they bloom, they produce a lot of pollen. The pollen is very small. It's very light. It'll mm -hmm. go right through bedroom windows. The yew, as you know, is a toxic plant. If a deer or a horse or a dog eats it, it'll die. The pollen is not only allergenic, but it's poisonous. And they plant these yews using males right under people's bedroom windows. The pollen comes through the window. They use you to make a chemotherapy drug called Taxol for breast cancer. And people get that pollen from the male use coming through their windows. And they get what sounds to me like chemotherapy treatments. And doctors don't understand what the problem is because people aren't aware of it. And, and the allergists don't skin test it because you is poisonous and everybody would get a bad reaction. So they don't have any data, but the people get a hold of me. And the first thing I ask them is, is do you have any use as foundation plants? And then I go outside and have a look and see if you have any berries on any of them. If you don't have any berries, you got a health problem. It's time to get the chainsaw out and dig up the stumps and, and plant. If you want the same look, plant another you, but plant one with berries, plant a female. 
Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. it, this is a huge problem for affecting loads of people and, and it's off everybody's radar but these people email me all the time I, and I know what happens when we change it out all of a sudden they're better again uh, I think you mentioned waking up with sore throats and stuff and feeling Jump in, Peggy. I think you yeah. mentioned flowers like mums as well were very high on your list yeah. of pollen okay. okay so like mums out in your yard I think you could have thousands of mums in your garden and it really wouldn't be a problem but when you cut them and you bring them in if they're the type of mums that have an open face and they they will shed pollen and mums, chrysanthemums are uh, in the same family, the daisy family, which is the same as the ragweed family. And so the pollen grains of, of, of those are all spiky, look like little grains of uh, coronavirus, little cactus. Yeah. And, and they tear you up. And, and so a lot of times people, will, there are certain cut flowers that don't cause any problems and some that do but if you bring in something like that and they start shedding it all over the table everything is about proximity with this it's just like the covid virus if we're supposed the further we stay apart from from other people the safer we are and it's the same with these allergenic plants if if you plant a, a male tree in your yard you're going to get a hundred maybe a thousand times more of that tree's pollen than the neighbors will yeah you're just too close to it uh, you know, and I'm going to leave, I, I, I'm going to leave it at that because one more thing I just wanted to say and go to my website, MikeNovak.net. Uh, this is all being exacerbated by climate change. As we get warmer and we pump more CO2 in the atmosphere, the plants respond, they produce more pollen. Tom Ogren, thank you so much. Go to AllergyFreeGardening.com. We're going to have you back on uh, again very soon. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Everybody on the network, go green or... Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me. Welcome eat. back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And You've gone outside. I've gone outside into my backyard. I took a photo of this the other day at dusk. And 
I put it up on Facebook and I got like 200 likes on it. And I went, oh, okay. It's just it looks back- fabulous. It's just my backyard. Um, but it looks pretty, pretty good because yeah. the, the azalea is blooming in the foreground and the allium um, on the over here. Oh, I see. I can't even point. And, and I like the way the microphone pops in and out of the image here when I do this. <laughs> so uh, oh, thank you, Zoom. Uh, <laughs> so so what is blooming in your yard right now oh my for god those who aren't it, watching um uh, celandine poppy is blooming uh my may apples uh have passed they're past bloom and they're producing the little may apples on the mm-hmm. underside uh the uh, there's some uh wild geranium that's blooming um columbine is blooming uh i love uh columbine canadensis which is the native mm-hmm. columbine because it spreads None of mine came back. It all disappeared this really? week. Really? All of every last columbine is gone. Oh, and and I have a riot of columbine out in my front yard. I uh, I can't even uh, tell you. I need to take a photo of the of the parkway, uh, and just show you what what I've got there. Um, and there's just a lot yeah. going on. Everything is uh, is this is a the yard looks the best at this time of year, really. I mean, I love it when we get the summer bloomers, but for some reason, my yard looks better in the spring. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what I've got. Uh, and, and other things that I can't even, I mean, I, the Joe pieweed is coming up. Um, I've <laughs> one thing I've got to be careful about, and we've got a landscaper on and he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be on next and he'll <laughs> be able to tell me this. Um, I've got Saladago, um, goldenrod, Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up everywhere in the yard. Okay. Canadensis or some of the others? Uh, I don't, I don't know if there is a canadensis. Uh, the, the common one. Yeah. I, I might have the name. Com- right. yeah. Common, common, uh, uh, goldenrod. And yeah, it, uh, it recedes itself like crazy. Yeah. You just, you rip it. And I've, I've ripped out whole chunks of it and I just throw it in the corner. It's and- that and jewelweed. My yard is full of jewelweed, especially with all this water. It's everywhere this year. Yeah. And uh, looking at the time, I don't even know. Uh, okay, let's figure out the clock here because uh, <laughs> if I could find the clock. See, I've got, I got to get rid of this, uh, this uh, thing I've got here uh, with my, my backyard so I can see what's going on. But I just wanted to mention really fast, we, we popped up a thing on, um, on Facebook this week. Uh, it was a, a story uh, about lawns and, um, uh, it, it was, uh, it was in the New York times, an opinion piece, America's killer lawns, 40 million acres of lawn in America. And we can do a lot better than that, especially in the age of COVID-19 where we, we've already, we already have problems here. The last thing we need to be doing, and I'm watching on TV, I'm watching the, the lawn, uh, killer, or the weed killer people saying, go out and get the poison folks, because you know, it's COVID-19. Mm-hmm. You need as much, we need to spread more poison in our environment right now. And, and I want to just say, you know, even, or especially at this time, can we just let it go? Yeah. For a little bit? Just let some things grow a little bit and not worry about, you know, you're all, you're already at risk from catching the coronavirus. Why make things worse by, by willy nilly, spraying stuff in your yard so that would be my advice you know uh, we said on the the show many times when in doubt rip it out and i'm talking about lawns less lawn more growing things more natives more vegetables how about that don't you think that'd be a good way to go Mm -hmm. all right when we come back 
it's been raining like crazy in the Midwest in the last few weeks, and it's causing problems. So we're going to talk about that with an architect, and, uh, a construction guy, and, uh, a, and a landscaper. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Even during the COVID-19 outbreak, Bartlett tree experts are available to help you with your tree care issues. And now Bartlett is offering a new disinfectant application service for outdoor spaces. Because of their existing equipment, resources, and infrastructure, Bartlett has been able to make a quick transition to assist businesses and homeowners through the application of disinfected products. They can be put on walkways, patios or decks, fences, gates, playground equipment, stadium seating, park benches, outdoor furniture and tables, and most other hardscape surfaces. While these disinfectants are EPA registered, you still want to consult with a Bartlett expert who can walk you through any environmental concerns you might have and how often the product will need to be used. Give the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts a call because even in a pandemic, every tree and open space needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000-acre farm, it's all about the soil biology. The folks at Blazing Star get it, which is why they work with industry leader Tinyo Biologicals. Tinyo seed treatments and foliar fertilizers can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Take it from the people who transformed a depleted former cornfield into a vibrant native landscape. Go to blazing-star.com. And while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. This is Mike Novak on the Smart Talk Radio Network with an important message about coronavirus. As we work to slow the spread of COVID-19, it's also important to take care of our animal companions, have extra food and medication on hand, and create a plan for taking care of your pets if you should get sick. Pet support services are more important than ever. Check with your local shelter or rescue to help them with a donation. Consider fostering or adopting a pet. We're all in this together. Go to humanesociety.org. It's been one week since we quarantined. Said we don't stay inside, need our groceries. Five days since you FaceTime me. So you be symptom free or don't come and see me. Three days since the living room. Became my office and my work moved to all who yesterday. You abandoned me. But it'll still be two months till we're out of quarantine. Wash your hands in the kitchen sink. Don't wanna be the link that gets corona to your fellow man. I sucked up on tuna fish. It is a dish that lasts a year at a minimum. If you can keep it in the can. Don't run your errands during peak times. Avoid the long lines. I hope you tip delivery drivers. Good thing we still have Netflix. Gotta watch rabbit. Okay, that's enough of that. That's a pretty good job on that song. I know, the guy was working it. I'll tell you, um, I was looking at the video of this uh, on the used tubes, and uh, the lyrics are by somebody uh, at Danny Awesome. <laughs> uh, and of course, that's a, a parody of a Bare Naked Ladies song, One Week of COVID-19. Uh, and he's working it. I mean, you could you could tell he's reading the script because it would be really hard to memorize that. But he was doing a really, really good job. So uh, kudos to uh, Danny Awesome. Mr. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's D-A-N-I. So it might have been Ms. a woman. Who Ms. Awesome. Ms. Awesome. Mr. Awesome. The, the, the awesome team. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki here in the Middle West of the call it the middle we're the heartland here we are smack in the middle of the country pretty much um not exactly geographically but close to it uh lately uh we have been getting pounded by rain 
um, here in the Chicago area, we just we just crossed over. As you you know, if you're listening to this in other parts of the country, some of you are getting this a, a week later, six days later. Um, today here in uh, Chicago, it's May 24th, and we have already broken the rainfall record for our area, the uh, O'Hare Airport. Uh, we're we're up over what is it, 40? 48 inches uh, of rain, I believe. And uh, I, I'm sorry, not 48. Uh, eight, eight, over 8.4, I think. I don't know where that came into my head. Eight point something something. For the, for the month. You for were thinking month. of probably for the year. Uh, it's possible. But for the month, it's over eight inches of rain, or, you know, which to some parts of the country doesn't see. You get eight inches of rain in a rainstorm in the Pacific Northwest and no, nobody says boo. Uh, but here, yeah, it wreaks havoc. And one of the places it wreaks havoc on is uh, Lake Michigan, and by extension, all of the Great Lakes, which are uh, approaching, if they're not already at, they're approaching record levels. Mm-hmm. Um, this, and what's interesting, I was doing some reading about this, um, the Great Lakes are not quite, well, they're not the same as the oceans. If you're looking at the oceans, they're just steadily rising. That's easy to figure, Okay. They're getting warmer and cooler. We know we've talked to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, about warmth in certain parts of the ocean, especially Gulf of Mexico, where hurricanes form and in the Atlantic. And um, and the water level in the oceans just keeps rising. In the Great Lakes, it's a different story. There are different dynamics at work. Uh, we just uh, several years ago came out of uh, among the lowest levels ever, and now we're at the highest levels ever. And this can change depending on what happens uh, in our local weather and our local climate over the course of a couple of years. How much uh, ice there is, how much snowfall. Right. Ice plays a huge role in it, reflectivity, uh, which and that whole dynamic is, is very interesting and tricky. And I'll tell you, Rick's explained it to us uh, several times, and I still don't exactly get it, when, <laughs> how that works. And unfortunately, he's not here with us today because uh, he, uh, he is getting a well-deserved day off today. So uh, next time we'll bring this in because the water levels are still going to be high. Uh, if you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, you will see a couple of photos that were taken by a listener uh, at one of the beaches in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. And Chicago is right on Lake Michigan, has a lot of beaches. Some of them are large. These two are tiny. One was in, they're both in Rogers Park. One was Rogers Beach and one was Howard Beach. And they're basically postage stamp beaches, but they're gone now. They ceased to exist as of this past January because of storms that came in and were just pounding the shore and breaking up rocks, breaking up concrete, battering apartment buildings right on the lake. Uh, And some of these are right up, right up to uh, the shoreline. Uh, And the shoreline in many cases has disappeared. So this is what we're dealing with now. Again, and everything, the backdrop to everything that happens is uh, the pandemic, COVID-19. So here we are, COVID-19, as we talked in the first hour, we got allergens all over the place. Climate change is, is, is uh, making, help create more pollen in the air. Uh, here in this part of the Midwest, another part, look at Michigan this week. Uh, uh, they had two dams break 
flooding in Midland, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's my home state. That's not very far from where I grew up. Um, and uh, they're having their own issues there. So it's not just us here. It's other parts of the country. So that takes us to the two guys that, uh, oh, oh, and the point I was going to say is uh, the, those beaches that disappeared in um, Rogers Park. Uh, my listener friend, Bob, uh, not the Bob we've got on the line here now, but uh, Bob sent me the photos and he said, hey, look at the look at the work going on here. So I, I posted them on the website uh, and you can take a look at what it looked like in January. It's not going to get any better right now, folks. Uh, and that's why. We have the two guys on the line here, Bob Bertog, the president of Bertog Landscape Company, uh, which is locally in Wheeling. Uh, it's a family-owned business. And Roger Teets from Gillen Marine Construction, uh, and, and not a landscape architect, as I misspoke, besides. And, and let me uh, give a kudos to Peggy, because she did uh, name Solidago Canadensis. She's right. That's the... <laughs> The uh, the saladago I have in my yard that's going to take over everything. Uh, so unless I start ripping it up. <laughs> uh, but so let's go to these two guys because they've worked together on projects. And and let's start with Roger, since you're the superintendent and you're like the the muscle guy here, I guess uh, you're, you're moving the rocks and, and the soil. Uh, what, what are conditions like on the shore of Lake Michigan? Uh, I, you know, you work in a couple of States in this area. What are you seeing on the shoreline? Well, Mike, thanks for having me today. Um, and I, I do have some landscape background, so you weren't incorrect. I, oh, great. Well, I'll give myself a name. How's that? Or landscape architecture. I just, now I work with bigger rocks than before. Um, <laughs> But no, uh, the lake is crazy. Um, we, you know, we were so used to low lake levels. Just six, uh, seven years ago, we were at an all-time low of 576.2. And now, only seven years later, we're at uh, 582.678 inches. Um, and that's a, that means above sea level, correct? Above, above sea level, correct. And, and I'll tell you, uh, Roger, that doesn't sound like a huge difference. Those well, six foot is not a, a big difference unless you put a 22 foot wave behind it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people ha- were very comfortable for years with, with elevation, revetment elevations, shore protection elevations at, at 588, 589. Uh, but you put a 22 foot wave on top of it, you actually get overtopping. And many of those revetments that we've been very comfortable with for many years are now getting overtopped and just destroyed because the waves just um, throwing it all over the beach. Yeah. Uh, Well, nature, nature has its own uh, mindset, doesn't it? It doesn't really pay attention to what you're doing, does it? No, not at all. And, you know, a lot of the uh, contributing factors was that we had no ice cover. Typically we have shore ice that gives an additional buffer to those waves, but this year with the mild winter, we, we just didn't have it. So the wave came in full strength. And, and uh, the other contributing factors are our older revetment stone that's, that's cracking up and breaking up, old limestone revetments that just aren't suitable. They've, they've outlived their lifespan. Mm-hmm. Well, well let's, let's talk about this because uh, yeah, there are different kinds of things you can do to uh, mitigate erosion. Um, I read one place that you got to be careful when you're just 
throwing rock into the lakeshore because it creates different currents and it redirects water in ways that are unpredictable. Have you encountered that? Yeah, every day. Um, you know, it's really an engineered design. It, um, it has a coastal engineer that puts that design together. The toe of the revetments and the shore protection are founded all the way down to clay level, which is 577, 78. Mm -hmm. Um, and we build those now higher than ever to 592 so that we can protect that, that, that big swing of, of lake elevation. I love the fact that you just talk, you know, it's all the uh, sea level relatives because yeah. that's really the, the science of it, isn't it? It doesn't matter uh, how relative it is at the shoreline. You need to know what you're dealing with in terms of sea level, don't you? Correct. And, you know, undercutting of those waves is such a huge factor um, that's why we're losing so much sand in so many beaches. So the way it just downscours against those, those old revetments and pulls that sand out into the system. It takes a lot of time, and uh, Mother Nature has to be kind to us to bring that sand back. All right. Well, let's go to Bob Bertog then, uh, because uh, he's, uh, he's president of Bertog Landscaping, or Landscape Company, sorry, in Wheeling. Um, what can a landscaper do against... Uh, a great lake. Well, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. And uh, basically what happens is we work with Roger on a project and he built the fortress and we're there to beautify it on the other side of the water. So to soften some of the rocks that they put in, we actually put trees up on the, on the, on the wall itself. And we put in mm -hmm. plants that are really strong as far as they can take the wind and the water and the sun because there's no other protection out there and if the water comes up and over the wall which it does there's going to be washouts so we try and plant put plants in that have a very deep root structure certain roses and certain grasses yeah um and i that obviously is one of the ways that you you mitigate erosion is you know and and we've done it for a long time in fact you can do a laundry list of invasive plants that were brought into the country to, to control erosion like kudzu uh, and other things. Um, but what kind of plants do you, first of all, what kind of plants do you like to use to mitigate erosion and are they really effective when we have these kinds of dramatic level changes? Once they get established, a lot of the grasses, the, the marmon grasses have a real deep mm -hmm. rooting structure they can take the, the spillover, but the project that we did last year, unfortunately, we lost a lot of the roses that we put in because they never had a chance to really take off. But over the years, if they have a chance, the Rosa Ragusa is a deep rooting structure, and um, they can withstand a lot of the uh, water that comes over. But like as Roger was saying, this is, this is unprecedented times that we've seen. So it, we need Mother Nature to cooperate so we can get the plants put in and then they can establish. And then if this happens again, years down the road, hopefully there's, they'll mm -hmm. survive better. But the, the trees help too. We put willow trees up on the revetment walls. Roger brings in the soil. He actually brought the plants in, in on the barge because there's no other access to the beach yeah. other than through the barge. So that, it's, we coordinated together. It, it's, it was a great partnership and uh, hopefully we'll continue it. Well, go ahead, Peggy. I was going to say this might be getting in the weeds a little bit too much, but uh, and no pun intended. With all the extra rain, if you're do if you're reinforcing steep slopes, if you're reinforcing bluff areas, how are you? Are you need, with all the rain that we're getting in the saturation, and there's often a slump and a slide due to clay levels. Is that something you're taking into account with the plants, and and how are you deciding species that way? 
Well, I, I leave a lot of that to my landscape architects. I'm, I don't have a, uh, I'm not a horticulturalist and I don't have an architecture background, but I do have designers that have done work on the lakefront before. So I trust that their judgment is good too. And then um, we do, the sand is fil very filtered. So the water does run off pretty quickly. It doesn't, it's just that this past winter, as Roger was saying, it was so strong, there was no ice. Yeah. The water just came up and just basically uprooted a lot of the stuff that we put in last summer. And I notice, uh, and we need to take a break here, but I notice you talk about uh, Ragosa roses mm -hmm. and willows. Um, a few years ago, when I went out east, I, w I was on the ocean, and there were Ragosas everywhere. So is that why, Bob? Did I Was I witnessing a, a strategy to hold back the banks? The, the strategy is two-part, actually, especially in a residential setting, because people tend to wander off the into private beaches so the roses are I very what, i tell you what I, I probably shouldn't have asked that question right now okay. all right uh, we'll finish it when we come back bob bertog from bertog landscape company roger teats from gillen marine construction it's the mike milbach show with peggy malecki i'm dr anthony lazowitz and this is climate connections before you pour a glass of wine Feel the weight of the bottle in your hand. Would you notice if it were a few ounces lighter? Jackson Family Wines is betting that you won't. The California winery started analyzing its carbon pollution in 2008. For us, it was really eye-opening. Julian Gervreau, vice president of sustainability, says they discovered that a huge amount of carbon pollution was caused by manufacturing wine bottles. The big aha moment that we saw around our emissions was really with glass. When you look at the supply chain for glass, it's a pretty energy and emissions intensive process. So now the winery not only invests in renewable energy and efficiency, it's reduced the weight of each glass bottle of its Kendall Jackson and La Crema lines by a couple ounces. And in addition to emission savings, we saw pretty significant financial savings associated with having to buy less glass. The winery was careful to avoid affecting the bottle's look and feel, and Gervreau says customers have not complained. Meanwhile, shipping and sales clerks appreciate lifting lighter cases. So cheers. Here's to lighter wine bottles. And don't worry, there's still the same amount of wine inside. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. From small boat to your table with complimentary no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings traceable wild Alaskan seafood direct from their small boat fishermen to your home. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares of their harvest just like your local CSA. Wild caught in season and with respect for the limits of the ocean. Responsibly harvested, hand-processed, blast-frozen, and vacuum-sealed. Sign up today. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Visit SitkaSalmonShares.com. Yeah, you're scary and mean Gotta self-quarantine Cancel everything COVID-19 You're all I've got on my screen It's an introvert's dream To self-quarantine Yeah, just a guy at his piano there doing that uh, There are some good ones out there I, uh, uh, You know, some of them are really well And he, he just set up the microphone It looked like a, a piano and he went to town uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking about 
lake levels. We're talking about soil erosion on a lake. When we last left, we were talking to Bob Bertog from uh, Bertog Landscape Co. in Wheeling um, and Roger Teets from uh, Gillen Marine Construction. And we were uh, talking about Ragosa Roses with uh, Bob. And I mentioned uh, how I'd seen them uh, along the ocean on the East Coast. And, they, and believe me, they were everywhere. I remember at one point, um, this was right on uh, Cape Cod. Yeah. In that area. Yeah. It was near Cape Cod and there were a bunch of ragosas and the, uh, the, uh, rose hips were the size of golf balls. Wow. So somebody had a golf club there and I was hitting ragosa (laughs) hips, uh, into the seat. (laughs) It was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. It was And sometimes they would, you hit them and they would just explode. And then sometimes they would actually, I could knock them into the ocean. So that I, I, I heartily encourage it for people who are bored and they need something to do with their golf fix. Yes. With the uh, Ragosa rose hips. Uh, But I was mentioning them here. Uh, Do they help with erosion control, Bob? They do. And they're a deep rooting plant. And then they also are uh, from another perspective, people tend to, walk a straight line, shortest distance between two points, and that means they're walking over private beaches. Well, you'll walk through Ragosa Roses only once in your lifetime, and you'll never do it again. <laughs> you'll walk around because they are very thorny. And um, and back to your point, we, during the break, you were saying they also are good for fauna because other smaller animals and stuff are, are protected within those roses. Oh, that's great. It's like a hedgerow. Uh, Correct. But what I actually what I was referring to is the willows. And a lot of people are terrified of planting willows uh, because uh, their roots are always searching for water and they get into the pipes and that sort of thing. But in this case, a willow might be an advantage on a lakeshore. Absolutely. Um, so these are some of the mitigation strategies. All right. So what I want to you guys worked on a project together. Uh, was this last year? Yes. Okay, so that was even before it got worse than it was at the time. It's worse now. Uh, Roger, you're looking. Tell me about the the shape of the the land around this house. What did you have to co- concern yourself with when you, you were called upon to do this job? Well, we uh, we had the opportunity to meet with a, a client there that that had uh, very little protection in front of his boathouse. So this was a secondary home to his home, um, and. We met early on with Bob and his team and the owner to develop some of the ideas. We, uh, the second step would be that we call in a coastal engineering company. In this case, it was Shabikin Associates. Mm-hmm. Um, the team was put together. We work with the client. We develop what needs to be done. Then some months later, after all the permits are acquired, there's about five different permitting agencies, the uh, Corps of Engineers, the uh, Illinois Department of Natural Resources, the EPA, and then, of course, the, uh, the local government bodies that all want a piece of the action. Um, after those permits are approved, then uh, Bob and I work together with the client to develop, you know, the aesthetic ends of things, the plantings um, within the, the revetment stone. Um, it was just a pleasure working with Bob and his team. Well, let's talk about the revetment stone. It's not just a matter of just piling stone there. Obviously, there's soil involved. There's sand involved. Um, how do you determine what's needed at what point? Well, the Coastal Engineering Company develops an engineered drawing 
Um, we actually have uh, survey points that we, we live by. Those are, um, uh, you know, we start with, 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 with a protective shape, the height of the crest of the revetment, the crest of the offshore break wall, um, making sure that they're all suitable heights. But uh, we use a quartzite stone as our armor layer. And those, those armor stones are between two and six tons each. Um, and those are put, uh, you know, towed into the clay elevation mm -hmm. uh, and then built and stacked in such a way that they resist the wave energy. So they're not just a pile of stone like many people think. You just, just don't bring a dump truck over and throw it over the edge. Well, I, you know, I, I, you're right. I think this is what people think you do. You just pile the stone and walk away and you're done. And, you know, I was looking, if you go to my website, MikeNovak.net, I got those two photos from my listener, Bob. Uh, and um, the, they show those huge stones with the, the many ton. Uh, there's two like on a truck, I think. That's about all you can fit. Um, but there's smaller stone as well. Yep. Yeah, the, the internal layer, layer of stone is, is engineered in, in its size so that the, 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 the core layer of stone doesn't pop through the voids of the armor layer. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and this, is, this is hard rock, quartzite that's, or granite that, that uh, is used these days. Corps of Engineers are approved for its, its strength, its durability, and its freeze-thaw effect. Uh, limestone and dolomites are were used in many many years prior to this, where that that tends to break up from the freezing thaw. You end up with a a pile of smaller stones, which of course the waves like to toss around. Yeah, I'll bet you do. Okay, so then we've got the stone, and uh, what about uh, Bob the uh, the soil that comes in afterward? The soil Roger brought in on the barge, we really only needed the soil for the, um, for the willow tree. And he brought it in, in uh, big, big uh, barrels of uh, the toe bags. And then the roses and stuff are fine in the sandy. So you can just plant those straight in the sand. And his operator was phenomenal. Smokey would put things wherever we wanted it. If I needed more sand, he'd put more sand in an area. Um, he lifted the tree in there like it was lifting a baby out of a crib. It was amazing. And it was a, it's an eight inch willow tree. So it's probably, wow. yeah, it was probably 30 feet tall. And yeah, it was very heavy, but uh, his, his guys were great to work with. we just, you know, if we had issues, if we were in their way, we would move and vice versa. It was a, it was just a good partnership. Let me ask you about caliper for a second, because um, a lot of the advice you get, for home gardens is don't go for the large caliper tree because a smaller one will catch up just as fast and, and might even have a better chance of success. Why are you using such a large caliper tree? Because of the force of the waves, we couldn't afford to put in a smaller one. And I think the, the, the way the waves were crashing right up into the revetment, it would have taken the tree out. So, and the client had a, a willow tree there prior that was probably close to 20 inches. So, we wanted to get him something right out of the gate that they didn't have to wait for it to get bigger. And we knew with the bar, with it coming in on a barge and with the equipment that Roger had, it wouldn't be a problem to get it up on the revetment. Okay. Well, that makes, that makes sense. And it was just one tree, one willow tree, but then there were probably three or 400 plants that we put smaller stuff on. Like the, for instance, like the roses and the grasses. Okay. And the, and the, the homeowner had collected seeds. He he was really into his beach and he harvested seeds every fall. So he put in thousands of seeds of smaller grasses and stuff. 
and it just it, they all came in it was really nice until the winter came <laughs> so what happened yeah tell us uh, about this past winter what effect did it have on your job the the wind was so strong coming and there was as roger mentioned there was no ice to help block it so the the water was just coming up and over the wall and uh we had a lot of snow this winter you wouldn't know it because most of it just melted but there was actually a lot of snow a it lot was of all rain. on it was all on halloween <laughs> yeah <laughs> we had most of our snow so we did have an average winter for snowfall so and it just the fact that the lake was just so rough the whole winter and, and mother nature did not cooperate especially on our side of the lake yeah yeah and, that lack and, of ice, you just kept getting wave after wave after yep. wave all winter. Yeah, and Peggy knows because she's very close to the lake uh, there. Uh, and Roger, uh, when you look at the, the job now, do you feel like you need to go back and mitigate anything? Well, we, we are going to make some modifications. We're working with Bob and the owner now to, uh, to strengthen some of the areas that we thought we could remain accessible. Um, the owner wanted to have not only a stairway down, um, from his upper uh, table land, but good, down- good luck with that. <laughs> well, it worked out well. The stairway survived, um, but what we thought where the sand could remain, that's that's been undermined and washed mm-hmm. away. So we're we're going to make some improvements. All right, we got like uh, thirty seconds. Uh, do you guys, uh, in addition to private contracting, do you do you work for municipalities as well or or government agencies? Yeah, from uh, Gilman Marine, uh, we've we've done quite a bit of harbor construction, 31st Street Harbor. Um, We've done a lot of work in Waukegan Harbor. We do offshore intake work. Um, We're working for a number of the the municipalities uh, for their erosion problems as well. And you, Bob? It depends on the project. Every project is different. If it's a prevailing wage job, we typically stay away from that. But oftentimes, if it's considered a maintenance, it's not prevailing wage, and we'll be able to put our two cents in. All right, Bob Bertog, Roger Teach, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. We appreciate it. Go to MikeNovak.net for more information. Peggy and I will be right back. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit summitresponsiblesolutions.com. In the midst of a pandemic, you might be surprised to know that there are still many plant sales going on in the Chicago area. Most are online events with pickups or deliveries or both. And of course, social distancing. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki has compiled the most comprehensive list of plant sales in our region. Go to any page at MikeNovak.net and click on the 2020 Chicago Area Plant Sales icon on the right side of the page. Happy gardening and stay safe. In the past few months, we've all learned how to be smart indoors and out. Take that one step further by being smart with your recycling, too. Don't put personal protective equipment or PPE into recycling bins. Those items can't be recycled by your waste hauler, and you might endanger your sanitation workers. Follow the rules of your local municipality. And please, don't throw PPE on the ground. A little common sense and some concern for those around us can go a long way. We're all in this together. 
Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. I see trees of green And red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I found that one. Um, That is just a a lovely song, a lovely version of What a Wonderful World by a band called Five Times August. And I guess Mm -hmm. the brains behind that is a guy named Brad Schistemus. And um, I was going through it, and and it was under the COVID things. And uh, he was was just playing it straight. I mean, it's no joke. It's no parrot. No COVID, no nothing. And a ukulele. Yeah. And you cannot listen to a ukulele and not smile. And I thought, that's how I want to wrap it up today is play something a little more serious. Not even serious. It's just delightful. It's just yeah. a wonderful version of it. I've saved that song. I'm going to have to play. That goes into the regular rotation once mm-hmm. we get out of this mess. I'm going to be. It's, yeah. And it's still spring and it's still may and everything's in bloom despite everything else happening and all the pollen is it's flying around everywhere i feel sorry for all those people with allergies well uh including you <laughs> welcome to the keep eating healthy campaign on the mike novak show with peggy malecki let's run down the list of our favorite places the folks at prairie fruits farm and creamery in, in champaign illinois remind you there's still a week left for american cheese month they're featuring fresh chevre plain is uh, these are the different flavors you can get plain herb de provence cracked peppercorn or a seasonal flavor this week pickled ramp and onion which is sweet and sour pickled alliums added to their fresh chevre the perfect foil for rustic bread or a bagel with a slice of smoked salmon that just sounds fantastic or Try fresh whole goat's milk ricotta. They are flush with milk, so they decided to add a ricotta to the production line. Now, the folks at Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm CSA, um, they're out there hustling. Man, they are working hard, and they say they're a little tired, but that's okay because business is booming. And they say that feeding people locally is the most gratifying work they've ever done kudos to them. Now, Cedar Valley is a meat CSA. You can get beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all humanely raised and drug and hormone free. You can even order custom butchered beef or pork. They feature safe social distancing pickup at various locations in and around Chicago. And if you're not in Chicago, some of these places, like you can order from from, uh, Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery or go to your local Oh, well, and I also should mention uh, you can order from Backyard Patch Herbs coming up next, but go to a local place and, and get something in your neck of the woods and help out a small farmer. Mm-hmm. 
trying to get through this crisis. And, and speaking of Memorial Day, um, grilling season is here. Backyard Patch Herbs, as I mentioned, they feature hand-blended herb mixes crafted with homegrown herbs. More than 35 varieties for everything from dill dip to salt-free ranch salad dressing to marinara and salsa, as well as meat rubs, marinades, and cheese spreads. Or, as I mentioned earlier, Kathleen got creative and, and came up with a fabulous polenta with Backyard Patch Herbs. Don't forget, you can call them or go online and use the code MIKE10, M-I-K-E, 1-0, and get a 10% discount. Keep on eating healthy. Help us support these great farms while they support us. Go to MikeNovak.net for more details. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And have we, uh, we are still in May. we still got a week left. We've already set the record for rain. Michigan is getting pounded. Other states are getting pounded. Indiana's getting pounded. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, what, did you find some numbers for us, Peg? Yeah. Um, it oh, and let me, I'm sorry. And let's mention Rick DeMaio's not here today. If you were tuning in to hear Rick DeMaio, he got the day off. He's going to a virtual graduation. I get it. It's like, sure, knock yourself out, go for it. So, uh, and it's a shame. It's a beautiful day. It's got to be a virtual graduation. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Peggy. Yeah. So I don't have all of the reports, but according to the National Weather Service, um, you know, obviously we had the scattered strongest severe thunderstorms with depended where you were in the area. Sure. Um, it's wind damage, large hail. There was at least two tornadoes yesterday that touched down. One was near Manuka, which is um, south of the city, uh, near the Kendall, Grundy, Will County border. The other was northwest of Hampshire and far northwest Kane County. Um, and they think there might have been up to two to three additional tornadoes in Ogle and DeKalb counties. Again, that's southwest. what I was seeing. There were tornadoes. Uh, and yeah. uh, I was watching on TV and they had the little tornado icons. Um, now, that that's not the official notification from the National Weather Service, mm -hmm. but it's it's what I saw on the screen uh, of reports of tornadoes. And there were a few in, uh, in um, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana. So it was yeah. a busy a lot, day yesterday. A lot of wind damage yesterday too. And oh, was there? Of, yeah. Uh, near Joliet, there's a lot of wind damage. And uh, I guess the strongest areas that we had the rain yesterday, up to two to three inches localized. Indiana, um, and I'm sure Randall can can chime in on some of this, but Indiana, we had a lot of sections over two to three inches of rain, 2.86 near Valparaiso, for example, um, hail in Indiana. And there was also sections, though, of further north, um, like in McHenry County that had two to three inches. At least some areas were slightly heavier than that. And we should mention uh, 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 our engineer, Randall. We got two engineers here because our show is a handful no, 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 no single engineer can handle us. Um, Randall, um, in addition to living in Indiana uh, and schlepping into Illinois to engineer the show, is also a storm chaser. Um, and um, I always say to him, dude, what are you doing? But <laughs> Chasing storms. Uh, he is. He's chasing storms. And... Um, uh, and Michael is also on the board and I just wanted to give a shout out because at the end of last week, we wrapped things up so fast, uh, at the end of, oh, and there's Basil, Basil, the dog is here. All right. Let's get He's everybody chiming in too. Where's Legata? Oh, where's I where's heard, your cat? 
Um, she's not here. I don't know where she is. I think she's outside or upstairs. Uh, I heard somebody was looking for a weather report. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just mentioning that you got pounded with rain in Indiana yesterday and maybe even some tornado activity. Yeah, there was some rotation around Lowell. I don't think we had anything drop, but it was uh, real interesting, and the bigger hail around Sheridan was kind of cool to watch. Okay, well, thank you, and thank you for being safe, and thank you for getting us up on the air last year when Zoom melted down completely. It was last Sunday, yeah. Last Sunday, I'm sorry. It was just insane. So you guys did uh, yeoman's work. I want to thank everybody on the show today. Tom Ogren, go get uh, go to allergyfreegardening.com. I want to thank uh, Bob Bertog and Roger Teets and, of course, Randall and Michael and uh, Kayla and Hannah and Kathleen in the background and Gata wherever and uh, Basil. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, What? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.